Welcome to the Miko Pled Podcast. I'm your host, Shamil, and we are back for episode two. Right off the bat, we want to give a huge thanks to everyone who's given us feedback and supported this podcast project. Both Miko and I are really excited to show you what else we have in store. So today's episode took place during Miko's trip to Palestine this past February. Miko sat down with Omar El-Ghubari, a staff member of Zohrot, and I'll spell that out for you. Uh, that's Z-O-C-H-R-O-T. Uh, Zohrot is an NGO that formed in 2002 to promote acknowledgement and accountability for the ongoing injustices of the Nakba and for the reconceptualization of the return as the imperative redress of the Nakba and a chance to better life for all the country's inhabitants. That's straight from the mission statement of the organization. So the word Zohrot means remembering in Hebrew. So there's your word of the day right there. And uh, make sure to get that hard ch sound in there. So Zohrot does incredible work around prioritizing the right of return for all Palestinian refugees. And not just talking about it, but creating the material framework for its implementation while pushing for its absolute necessity as a starting point to any solution or any plan that's being proposed or considered kind of in the greater consciousness. Another project that Zohrot is pretty well known for is their creation of a mobile app called iNakba. That's spelled I-N-A-K-B-A. So iNakba is a mobile app that is available in Arabic, Hebrew, and English, and it's based on GPS navigation technology. So iNakba allows users to locate and learn about Palestinian localities that were destroyed during and also as a result of uh, the Nakba in 1948. And I encourage everybody to open up their app store like right now on their phone and download iNakba. Uh, I actually used this app during my last trip to Palestine. It was amazing to be mapped in real time based on my current location, like wherever I was standing, to learn about those Palestinian localities that were ethnically cleansed in 1948. This app provides an interactive history complete with like photos, uh, videos, and also user comments. A uh, really cool app, uh, highly recommend everyone check it out, even if you're not in the Palestinian region. You can still dig into all of uh, the features and the data without being physically there, but it does take a whole nother uh, life of its own when you are actually, um, you know, in 48 yourself and have that have the app open. So that's a bit about Azakhrat, but uh, let's get into Omar's life a little bit. His primary area of knowledge is as a conflict facilitator. And prior to joining Zohrot in 2006, he worked as the coordinator in the Karev educational program, as well as a coordinator of youth activities at the School for Peace at Nev Shalom Wahat al-Salam. His work before and leading up to Zohrot is inspiring and so important. There really can't be a solution without an acknowledgement of the Nakba and a corresponding commitment for the right to return. Additionally, for this episode, we are calling on all of our listeners and friends to contribute to a public fundraising campaign for Zohrot that's taking place on March 22nd and March 23rd. This campaign is called The 48 Hours to Acknowledge the 48 Crimes. So save the date on your calendars and keep up with Miko's social media and newsletter. I'll be reminding our audience when the 48-hour fundraise, fundraising drive is approaching um, just to sort of nudge you and let you know that uh, it's time to chip in. 
any amount that you can donate within those 48 hours on zohrat.org as well as zohrat's facebook page would be massively appreciated and if you miss the deadline you can also just make a regular online donation to the org but we're really encouraging people to do so within that 40 hour 48 hour campaign that's really the way to go here um so again save those dates march 22nd and march 23rd there will be more details towards the end of the podcast um when Miko and Ahmad talk about the specifics of the campaign. Before we get into the conversation with Ahmad, I just want to shout out a couple of Miko's upcoming speaking dates. On March 13th, PSL Washington, D.C. will be hosting Miko for their Liberation Friday series. The title of the talk is Miko Paled on Palestine and the BDS Movement, and that's going to be at the Justice Center in Washington, D.C. Then on March 18th, the UK Students' Conference and Olive present No to the Deal of the Century with Miko Paled in central London. The venue is yet to be announced, but head over to mikopaled.com. You'll be able to RSVP there. You can also go to the web- website to RSVP for any of his other upcoming events, and we'll update that information as it becomes available. So that'll do it for March in terms of speaking dates, but if you or your group are interested in, invite- in inviting Miko to speak at your event, or to your community, just shoot me an email at booking at mikopaled.com or hop on the website to request more information. Now on to the conversation between Miko Paled and Omar El-Ghabari. I'm sitting here with my friend Omar El-Ghabari, who uh, is a guy that works with uh, Zuhrot, one of the most important NGOs working in Palestine and we're sitting at the outskirts on the outskirts of Jerusalem near a kibbutz called Kiryat Anavim and um, I let uh, you Omar describe Zuhrot and mm-hmm. what, what the organization does and what you do um, and then we can talk about maybe specific areas uh, within Palestine and what has transpired there particularly maybe this area here leading up to Jerusalem yeah sure so maybe you can start with talking about Zuhrot a little bit. Okay, great, thank you. Uh, Zuhrot uh, was founded in 2002 by Israeli Jewish activists in order to raise the awareness about the Palestinian Nakba inside the Israeli Jewish society. This is the main goal of this uh, uh, NGO. And um, by the way, the meaning of the word, the word is in Hebrew and the meaning is uh, remembering and we want people to remember the Nakba and we call the Israeli side to take responsibility and uh, uh, and acknowledgement and to acknowledge the responsibility of the Israeli side on the Palestinian Nakba and the expulsion of the Palestinians and if they wish to build up a justice kind of justice in this uh, uh, in this land, they should also recognize the right to return of the Palestinian refugees. We believe this is very crucial and it must be uh, acknowledged and must be implemented in order to uh, uh, succeed to build a um, uh, uh, space that people can live equally in it, uh, including the returnees themselves. Uh, we try during the year to deliver the information about the Nakba and the right to return in different ways. One of them, and the first one, was to visit or to tour or to walk in among the ruins of the Palestinian destroyed localities, where the State of Israel destroyed 
starting 1948 till today. Uh, I just published yesterday, yesterday uh, some photos from one of the Palestinian villages uh, which is located today in the center of Tel Aviv called Sumel, very close to Rabbani Square and to uh, the city hall of Tel Aviv. And, uh, and these days, uh, the uh, authorities are taking away uh, what remained from the village, the houses and the mosque, and they are building new uh, uh, buildings instead of them. So the eraser of the Palestinian ruins and the Palestinian houses still ongoing. It didn't happen once, it didn't happen only in 1948, but the remaining houses are also under the, uh, um, the plans of the Israeli authorities when they want to build something for uh, the Jewish community, they will erase all these uh, uh, houses and build new neighborhoods. And we can talk about uh, uh, other examples uh, around us, and even around Jerusalem, and not so far from here. Uh, some of the plans that the Israeli government and the municipalities try to raise more and more Palestinian houses and to build Israeli uh, neighborhoods. Uh, uh, the, so the tools is one main uh, tool that we use in order to let people see and feel where they live mainly the, the, the Israelis, and um, uh, we support that with our publications and writing and a uh, very rich website in the three languages, Arabic, Hebrew and English, talking about the Palestinian expulsion and the refugees and the destroyed uh, places. Uh, uh, we publish uh, booklets about each place that we visit. Um, unfortunately, the, the number of the Palestinian localities is huge. We talk about about 600 Palestinian villages, towns, and cities that have been expelled and destroyed. Uh, we managed to do uh, about 65 researches, about 65 different places. So we published 65 different booklets about these uh, places. And uh, um, it's only 10%, unfortunately. But uh, of course, you can see uh, the, the policy of the expulsion in these uh, uh, 10% of examples of the Palestinian destroyed places. Uh, we published for the Israelis in Hebrew the Nakba map, which is the only map that Israelis can find out what is the name of the Palestinian town that used to be uh, uh, in the place that they live in, and uh, in Hebrew. You might find that in Arabic and in English, many, but in Hebrew, this is uh, the only one that you can uh, uh, see. And uh, following the technology, we uh, launched a very attractive app that called iNakba for smartphones in three languages. And it includes the map and the information about every uh, destroyed place. And you can use it as a GPS. And it will lead you, it will take you to a place that is not existing. Uh, this is the only GPS in the world that takes you in a place that's not there. Uh, uh, and you will reach the center of the location of the village or the town as it was shown in the British maps before the Nakba, before 1948, which is amazing experience to use it. I recommend anyone uh, uh, to use it, uh, uh, first of all, to get the information about the whole policy and destroyed places, but the second step to use it in order to reach uh, uh, these places. This is really uh, uh, amazing 
experience. Uh, beside that, as I said, the the uh, the website, which is mm, updated all the time, everything, every photo, every piece of paper that we find regarding the Palestinian life before the Nakba, we put that in our uh, website, uh, free for anyone can use it and can download anything from uh, from our website. Um, uh, so this part of the work which talks about the past and the disaster that happened in Palestine uh, um, very important but we try not to uh, remain in that uh, part of knowledge and part of uh, um, I would call it uh, of, of, of ideas or thinking about this uh, uh, about this land we we developed during the last decade a project talking about the right to return and the uh, uh, the implementation of the right to return of the Palestinian refugees we ask groups Palestinians, uh, Israelis, internationals, experts, activists uh, from different places to give ideas or to build models or to uh, uh, just to think about the practical aspects of the return. Unfortunately, during our research, we didn't find any practical uh, a plan on how return should be implemented or, or how it looks like even not in the PLO or the Palestinian Authority or of course not in the United Nations. So we, I, I think this, is, this was a pioneer uh, uh, idea that Zohrot and other Palestinian NGO from Beit Lahem called Badil uh, started to think about the practicalities of return in order to understand how we uh, um, want this landscape to, to look like and uh, to show that it is feasible, it's possible, besides it is just and, it's, and it, it must be, yes. be, be done. Yeah, that's incredible. I've seen, like I said, I've been to your tours, I've seen the website, I have the app. Um, these are all incredible things. And lately I've, I've noticed you, this, this campaign of return that you've been uh, posting about and writing about, I think is, is incredible. I was, um, I was in Jordan now and I went to a camp, one of the camps mm. uh, in Jarash in the mm. north. Wow. And uh, it's called the Gaza camp because they are refugees who came from Gaza in 67. And you, the conditions are horrifying, beyond horrifying. And two hours away by car is Palestine where these people really belong. Mm -hmm. Maybe three hours because yeah. some of them are from the south. And here on the one side, Israel gets $4 billion a year that it doesn't need. And these people live in utter poverty, getting, you know, really pennies from all these NGOs. Yeah. So that's, that, that's, that's an incredible uh, idea. Um, now, we, I went on tours with you, one in the very north, one time with some friends near uh, Shlomi. Yeah. by the Lebanese yeah. border Al -Bassa village. and as we talked about it you were talking about things that have been revealed recently in other words the destruction was in 48 but things that were revealed recently about this and then another trip we went to Dir Yassin yeah. in Jerusalem which was of course horrifying and then we went to Yaffa where you showed us those pictures 
So things are still being revealed. How does that happen? I don't yeah. understand. Like, yeah. for example, in the north. Well, as far as I understand, there was no one uh, policy for the uh, Zionist uh, uh, leadership and the state of Israel uh, during the years. Some of the places that they captured in 1948, uh, they destroyed immediately. I have stories that uh, uh, people are, are forcing to flee from the village after bombing the village and uh, they are uh, staying for few days in the hills in front of their own village and they see the Israeli army uh, blowing up their houses and their uh, uh, buildings in the village. So sometimes it happened immediately. In other cases we see that Israel used the Palestinian houses in order to populate Jewish families that immigrated to the state of Israel and that uh, uh, that time in the early 50s and 49. Uh, um, the, the closest example to our meeting today is the village of Lifta that was populated for 20 years with uh, uh, Israeli families till the early 70s. Um, we have uh, information that one mass uh, destruction happened in 1966-65 mainly in the area that's surrounding Jerusalem and close to the border with the West Bank. So this is before 67, before the 1967 war. Exactly. This is very important information to note that the plan uh, for the war in 1967 was already known for the Israeli leadership. And uh, after uh, um, occupying the uh, West Bank, they will meet thousands of Palestinian refugees that were expelled in 1948 from their original villages. So they destroyed their houses before the occupation of the West Bank in order so just to can't come back. Exactly, to block the or to destroy the hope that they can come back to something. And this these houses were were destroyed and uh, uh, there is no place to, to, to go back to or even to see or to maybe to develop any hope uh, for, for return. And in, in, in other uh, uh, cases, in the Galilee, for example, it happened also in the 60s and the 70s. Sometimes the Israelis don't have any specific plan to do in this certain, a certain village. So they use it for different purposes and they waited just to, uh, uh, for, any, uh, uh, for any plan. Uh, in, inside the forests of the JNF, there are hundreds of Palestinian villages. All of them are destroyed. In this, um, uh, in this case, we can see that uh, all the Palestinian houses, you can see just ruins and cemeteries, but the houses are completely uh, destroyed. Um, uh, in these days, you can see new projects like streets or buildings. Um, then the Israelis uh, decide to destroy what remained from uh, the Palestinian localities and the Palestinian uh, properties. For example, the uh, um, student houses in the University of Tel Aviv that was built in the village of Sheikh Mwannis uh, were built 10 years ago on uh, part of the cemetery of Sheikh Mwannis. So they destroyed part of the cemetery in order to build the uh, student houses for the University uh, uh, of Tel Aviv. In these days, you can see uh, the expansion of the city of Beit Shemesh, and all the new neighborhoods are taking more and more lands and ruins and graves of the Palestinian villages that surrounded surrounding that uh, that area. And Beit Shemesh is what about 
10 kilometers outside Jerusalem, something like that? Yeah, about 15 kilometers outside yeah. of Jerusalem, yeah. And you, you, the, the ruins of uh, villages like Deir Aban or the villages of Beit Natif uh, are very close to the neighborhoods of Beit Shemesh. The expanding of this, uh, uh, of this city is taking more and more ruins and destroying and uh, actually uh, erasing more and more evidences of these Palestinian uh, uh, villages. Uh, not so far from here, you can see very close to your town, Mozart, this was a, a Palestinian village called Kalunia, and uh, uh, some of the ruins Okay. And you still see uh, um, ruins of the Palestinian uh, village. Most of the houses are destroyed. Uh, some houses are still standing, uh, but most of the houses are destroyed. But you still feel that Palestinian village was there. The new projects and the new neighborhoods of Nevaseret Zion and the main road to Jerusalem took more and more uh, uh, um, dunams uh, of plants from this uh, area of the village. Was of Colonia, Colonia. I'm just curious because that is where I grew up. So Colonia was just on the bottom or was Colonia going up the hill towards Castel as well? Because there were homes. I remember there are homes in the bottom and there are also uh, uh, in the hill, very close to the uh, houses of Mivaseretzi on today. But in between. That's where Moza is, and I remember seeing houses. That many of them were just taken by people, and the you know these beautiful stones were turned That's into right. a fence or yeah. something. Yeah, and still see examples of Palestinian houses are still standing. Yeah, and the other houses were very similar. And there were them. terraces, you can yeah. tell, and you exactly. can tell that there are the fig trees everywhere, yeah, and the cactus, the, and, and the, the cactus everywhere. Yeah. That's right. So in these days, if you uh, look at these new projects, you can see that. Every year something is disappearing from the Palestinian uh, uh, view of the place uh, because of these, uh, of these new projects. Uh, and you mentioned the, uh, village, the village of Al-Bassa in Shlomi, the same uh, all the time that the Shlomi, the Israeli town of Shlomi was expanding. It takes more and more Palestinian houses and they destroy uh, Palestinian houses. Uh, as I said, in these days, you can uh, visit Tel Aviv, very close to uh, the city hall of Tel Aviv and the Robin Square, and you see the new Israeli neighborhood taking the place of the village of Sommel. So because I did the tour in Sommel the last time, uh, uh, two months ago, and the one before, one year ago, and I see what happened in, the, in, in one year. So there are still houses and a mosque there? In yeah, the central the, till, till last, yeah, till the uh, uh, mid of uh, 2019, uh, the mosque was there. In the end of 2019, everything was destroyed and erased, including the mosque and new buildings on the process of uh, structure in these days. So the mosque was not used, obviously. It just kind of stood there as a ruin? It was used for many years as synagogue. And it's not surprising me. It's it seems shocking, but there are uh, um, dozens of Palestinian small mosques are used as a synagogues till this day. One in Tirat Carmel, which was the village Tirat uh, Haifa. Uh, One in Nis Tziona, which was the village of Wadi Hunain. Um, uh, I have many examples, and it's. Unfortunately, 
uh, happened in many in many places. We, we can talk a lot about yeah. the, the what happened to the to the mosques, but uh, to see that mosques are used as a synagogue, it's really yeah, it's really yeah difficult to understand. When we were in, Shlo- in uh, I forget the name of the village in Shlomi again, Al Basa. Al Basa. You talked about something else. You said that recently there was information about what happened at the village inside the church about a massacre that took place. Oh yeah, that's right. Can you talk about that? You said that this was rather newer, newer information that came out that yeah, was recently it was, was discovered. Well, uh, the, the old people of the village uh, remember that something bad happened around the, uh, the church. And one testimony of old Palestinian guy told about uh, um, at least two brothers, mm, mm, uh, brother and sister, uh, were murdered by the Israeli uh, army immediately uh, when the village was captured very close to the, to the, uh, to the church. But uh, two years ago, a Jewish lady called us in Zohrot and she wanted to talk about some information that her father told her because he took part in the occupation of the village of Al-Bassa. And he uh, said uh, definitely that the massacre in the, around the church, close to church, was much bigger. And uh, uh, about 20 people were murdered and massacred uh, close to the church. And he was there. He saw that. I'm not sure if he did that, but he at least uh, uh, saw that. Uh, which is very interesting because the, uh, we think that we, 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 know, we know many things about the, the Nakba and what happened during the Nakba, but unfortunately there are still many information that we don't know. Yeah. And uh, uh, if you think about it, that the Israeli authority is still hiding about 50% of the documentary of 1948 in the Israeli archive and not allowing people to, to read what is there, uh, 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 I think it's... Uh, uh, giving us a hint what what more terrible things we can find out uh, even what we know till now it's really very difficult and uh, uh, showing the the big crimes that the Zionists did uh, against the Palestinian people but imagine that even what we know is so terrible what is still uh, hidden in the Israeli archives uh, so this uh, 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 the ongoing research is very important as we do and other NGOs and other historians and other activists still doing. I think it's very very important in order to explore these uh, crimes and uh, information about it. When we were in Yaffa, you did something that I found was incredible, and I tell this to everybody. So I'll talk about it briefly, but I want you to talk about it. You showed us some pictures a series of pictures that had a, a kind of a progression so can you talk about that yeah what you showed us and what it means well the uh this part that we have photos of one of the most known uh, uh neighborhoods of jaffa called manchia which is which was uh, um actually located between the old city of jaffa and the new Hebrew city of Tel Aviv. Uh, it was built in 1880 and occupied in 1948. And um, um, one of the Zionist myths that this land was empty and the city of Tel Aviv was built on sands and nothing was there. And uh, I was uh, surprised to see one piece 
that uh, Nahum Gutman, one of the Israeli Zionist uh, painters, uh, uh, drawed. Um, he 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 drew the the beginning of Tel Aviv, the neighborhood of Chazat Bayit, the beginning of Tel Aviv, and the old city of Jaffa. And between them, there are the, in, 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 uh, he 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 painted nothing. It was just sands and sand empty, yeah. yeah, and sand dunes and empty space. Very romantic looking, very barren, and yeah, virgin. That's, yeah, that's right. And even yeah, he he, show, he he painted also the sea, and there's a sun, smiley, uh, sun from uh, 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 above, from the west. I, I I see that it's this yeah. smiley sun and shining sun, sun coming from the west, as colonial mind can of think course. about uh, uh, what they are doing in this uh, part of the world, and. Um, uh, as I said, the, this this painting um, was done in the 30s, 1934, 35, and the uh, the area that he painted between Tel Aviv and the old city of Jaffa was uh, 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 full with houses and populated with thousands of Palestinians. Uh, one of them is the neighborhood of Manshia, and uh, we have a photo of the uh, neighborhood in the 40s. And we can just uh, compare, we can put the uh, two photos uh, and to see how his mind didn't see the neighborhood of Manshia. And he lived there, didn't he? He did? lived there. He, he lived, lived very there, close so. to the Nevet Tzedek. It's a Jewish uh, neighborhood, yeah, very yeah. close to Manshia. So he would have seen these houses, saw these, these houses, streets. Of course. It looks like a big city if, with if, streets and homes. I mean, you can't confuse it. Exactly. It wasn't it's, like it's sparsely amazing. built or something. This was a heavily built city. Yeah and modern streets yeah. and modern houses and yes. it's uh, in a straight lines between his house where is he living and the old city of Jaffa everything was there everything was but built everything was built yeah. and it's amazing how he dared to draw this view without the Palestinian neighborhood and without the Palestinian houses yeah. with nothing at all it's with just, nothing, dunes just dunes and the beach yeah. and i think there's either the port or the mosque or something in the in the background in the in the background, he drawed the old city of Jaffa oh, the with city. the yes. tower of the, yes. the church, yes. which is again, uh, uh, you know, it's an exotic city, it's an oriental yes. Uh, yes. Uh, place that he, yeah, he see, yeah. he sees there. Yeah. But the modern life, the, the the daily life, the people, the nation that lives there, he didn't see. Well, I'm sure he saw that, but he didn't consider them that something was to be in this uh, 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 piece that he drawn uh, because he wanted to give a message. So you showed the you showed the painting, and right next to that you showed the photograph of, what of it was the like, neighborhood of the neighborhood. It's, and it's, it's, yeah, it was shocking. And but then you showed yeah. a couple of more. Then uh, uh, we have a photo with uh, from 1948, immediately after the occupation of the neighborhood that was bombed from the side of Tel Aviv and uh, most of the houses were destroyed. You see really the, the, the uh, destroyed houses and destroyed streets and very similar to what we saw we saw recently in Gaza or in uh, other bombed places. Or in Berlin after the, World War II. It looks yeah, like it was bombed from heavy, the air actually. Heavy artillery shielding yeah. to, uh, uh, to the neighborhood and uh, the, the neighborhood was completely uh, expelled even when the uh, uh, the members who, who did this uh, attack was the uh, organization design one of the Zionist militias called the Etzel, they started the occupation of the city of Jaffa. Uh, 
By the way, despite the fact that Jaffa was outside of the lines of the partition plan, right. uh, they, they started the attack on April 1948 before the establishment of the State of Israel and before the formal war between Israel and the Arab army started. So it's all what the Israelis tries to try to say that it was a defense war, was a reaction of any attack. It's not true, and Jaffa is one a strong example to show us that the plan to expel Palestinians was there in the mind and in the plan and of course in the interest of the Zionist movement in order to succeed to build the Jewish state with Jewish majority. Actually, Jaffa uh, was kind of like Jerusalem in a way, wasn't it? It was supposed to be independent or somehow, wasn't it? Or was it part of the Palestinian uh, yeah, uh, Arab state? Uh, it, it, no, it's part, it's part of the uh, 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 Palestinian Arab offered state, okay. but it was like an enclave, like disconnected. Enclave, yes. Yeah, it's disconnected right. from the other territory of the yeah. uh, of the uh, uh, Arab state. Um, uh, and um, uh, uh, after the um, uh, the expulsion of these uh, people, some of the houses were used by the Israeli by the Israeli municipality of Tel Aviv. Uh, immediately after 1948, but in the uh, 60s and the 70s, the Israeli authorities destroyed the uh, remaining houses of the Palestinian neighborhood and they just um, 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 made the area flat and empty. And they uh, built up a, a park that called Charles Clore Park along the uh, coastline. Uh, uh, and uh, which is the promenade of Tel Aviv today. And if you look from the same point, almost from Hassan Beg Mosque, which is still is standing there, and you look towards the city of Jaffa, you will see again that this flat area becomes empty as Nahum Gutman imagined or painting, painted in his uh, uh, painting in the 30s. Except without dunes, there's a parking lot and a park. Yeah, it's a grass and green and, and, and park and, and beautiful lot. park. Yeah, and all the ruins of the neighborhood are actually buried under this park. And then we walk towards Jaffa, <laughs> and there was a house that remained. Yeah, that you showed us. Yeah, actually, it's a it's a part of house. Uh, the house was much bigger, and uh, uh, um, for we know that immediately after 1948, a Jewish family lived there, and. Uh, um, after the uh, authorities used that area and they evacuated the Jewish families uh, to other neighborhoods, the, this house kept empty. And in the 80s, 1984, it was given to the, uh, uh, the same militia that expelled and occupied the neighborhood, the Etzel, the Irgun, what's called the Irgun. Uh, and the Etzel using this house as a museum for the heritage and the, uh, uh, the the actions and the operations that the Etzel did in 1947-48 and the history of this organization. But so imagine... The, but what is the house called? The house is an interesting name. In memory now, of... Now it's called the house, the, the, the Etzel house. In the memory of... Ah, it's, uh, I think it's uh, the, in the memory of the liberators of the Jaffa, exactly. of course. The liberators, yeah. the liberators is yeah. the key word here. Because yeah. when we met, we met Nigdir Hassan Beck. Yeah. And you said, meet me at the parking lot. And the parking lot is called, do hmm. you know what it's called? Yeah, it's called in Hebrew, Hakob Shim, which means the occupiers. And the main street, by the way, called also the, the Hakob Shim Street, uh, occupier street. And uh, the parking, the car parking very close to Hassan Beck Mosque 
called the Hakovshim party. So they have to decide, are they, are they conquerors and occupiers or liberators? Because they can't be yeah. both. Yeah. You see what I mean? <laughs> because if you, say, yeah. if you say occupiers in English, the Zionists are very offended. But they use occupiers and settlers and colonizers everywhere. Here in Motza, I mean, there, there are many streets called the Colonizer Street and the Settlers Hill uh -huh. and the Occupiers this. And in Hebrew, they, it sounds, they think it's very positive. Yeah, exactly. But it's interesting that the, the trip we took with you starts in the, in the, in, on a street called the Occupiers yeah. or the Conquerors and ends with a house which is supposedly dedicated to the Liberators. It's yeah. almost like they couldn't make up their mind okay, yeah, how, to, how to sell this. So in yeah, English, it's called yeah, one thing. That's right. Yeah, it's a good, good point. But it is, is amazing me that this, this organization, the Irgun, has the uh, logo outside of the building. And the logo of this organization is the land of Israel for them that they should and they must liberate, uh, including the whole Palestine and Jordan and the, and, and the kingdom of Jordan and the state and the of king, Jordan yes, yes. and uh, uh, and in the middle of the logo there's a, a gun yes. and two short words in Hebrew rakkah which means just in this way yes and it's this logo it's uh, uh, shown for the thousands of people are walking and swimming and visiting the promenade of Tel Aviv every day yeah. and it's uh, by the way the, this uh, this uh, uh, museum is part of the Israeli Defense Ministry of Defense uh, 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 institutions. So it's official institute. It's yes. for the state, yes. and the state actually legitimizing this organization that called the uh, um, uh, the Etzel. Number of the leaders of this uh, organization were wanted by the British government as criminals. Yes. They became later on prime ministers. Prime ministers, and actually, even now, the prime minister is part of the political party that comes from the Etzel, exactly. really. So exactly. it's no wonder. That's like right. I said, I was in Jordan now, and it's no wonder the Jordanians are very nervous that the actual plan is to take Jordan as well and include it in this greater, yeah. in this greater Israel, especially in the current political atmosphere with the Trump deal and all of this. That's right. Yeah, actually the Israeli government for decades now are the descendants of these, of these organizations. Yeah. yeah. So I want to take maybe two, maybe just a couple more minutes. Um, and can you talk a little bit more about this vision of return? Yeah. Because most of the people that you, I talk to at least uh, talk about it as though it is some kind of uh, utopian dream. Yeah. You talk about it in very practical terms, and I agree with you that I think, it's, uh, I think it can be practical if people sit down and plan it, because return of refugees has happened before, and of course the entire premise of the State of Israel is, the, is a, re, a premise of return. So if you can return after 2,000 years, then it shouldn't be a problem returning after 75, 70 or 75 years. Yeah. So can you talk about that a little bit, and what Zuhrot is doing? Yeah, exactly. This is the idea to make the... Uh, um, to take the uh, the idea of return from uh, far away utopia or dream uh, that seems to many people, including unfortunately Palestinians, including the refugees themselves, that something so far and we, we don't see any hope or any possibility uh, that it should be it could be implemented. Uh, but they still believe on that. They even if, if for them just kind of, of beautiful dream that they, can, they want to keep 
uh, till the miracle will happen. We try to say that uh, we don't want it only as a miracle or a dream uh, that no one is doing anything to make it closer and possible and uh, and uh, 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 practical. Uh, um, so we use this uh, uh, tool in order to uh, and to make kind of political imagination to uh, help people. If you believe in idea, if you believe in this idea that refugees should come back and you don't have any sense how it could uh, uh, be implemented, let's help each other and to think and to write about it and to give models, even to build models of villages. Some of the Palestinian refugees, for the first time, they had been asked this question in this direction and they opened their minds and they started to imagine and to draw and even to build a small model of their future village. In Palestine mm -hmm. or, or refugees outside? Uh, uh, we did workshops with Palestinians inside Israel. So 1948. We, 1948, uh, uh, what we call them the internal uh, uh, IDPs. Uh. We met in uh, with Palestinians from the West Bank, refugees in the West Bank. From IDPs, I'm sorry, can you say what that means? IDPs? Yeah, internal displaced persons. So these are uh, refugees? In, who are inside Palestine, but they're just not. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about them because you mentioned that uh, refugees are living in Jordan two hours from the original place. These people inside the state of Israel and they carry the Israeli citizenship and they live five minutes from their original place. They were expelled in 1948. They forced to move or to look for a safe place. So they hided or uh, found a place to live in inside the state of Israel in other Palestinian Arab uh, town like in Nazareth or in Tamra or uh, uh, in Umm al-Fahim and after the establishment of the state of Israel they show up and they were uh, discovered in these places uh, and somehow they got the permission to stay in these uh, uh, towns and to be part of the Palestinian population inside Israel but they never got the permission to go back to their places. Even as I said, they can, from the current house that they live in Nazareth, for example, in the neighborhood called, called the Safafri, Safuria neighborhood in Nazareth, they can see from their balcony today the ruins of their original house in Safuri. It's just five kilometers from there. And they never got the permission to go back to their places. So imagine that they have the Israeli citizenship, they have even the taboo or the documentary of the ownership on their. On, of their lands and their houses and they are considered in the eyes of the Israeli authority as absentees. You know this term of the present absentees. When we talk about present absentees, we talk about these IDPs inside the state uh, of Israel. So the, um, the, the question of return, uh, which these, all the time the Israelis and their supporters say that it's a question of demographic uh, dangers and uh, uh, Israelis will not allow the Palestinian refugees to come back because they, they will lose the Jewish majority, which is correct. And I believe if you, if you believe in justice, yes, it's so racist to say, I want to keep my majority of my ethnic group in any price, even in the price of expulsion or preventing, uh, preventing a return of these, of these uh, people who used to live there. But the same question, we should raise when we talk about the IDPs. If they move from Nazareth to Safuri or from 
Tamra to Mi'ar, they will not change the demographic situation inside, of it, inside Israel because they are already counted as part of the population of the state of Israel. So the question is not only the numbers on the demographic uh, uh, situation, it's much deeper. The Zionist movement does not acknowledge the ownership or the uh, rights of the Palestinians on this land. So it's, it's not a big issue if, you, if they move Palestinian community from place to other place. By the way, they are still doing that till today. In the Nakab, for example, they are forcing people to be concentrating in certain places in order to confiscate their lands. Uh, they are moving from their original fields and original land to other urban, modern place. Townships. They do, yeah. Townships. They're doing that in the in area C in the West Bank. So the, the, this uh, 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 idea in, these, in, the, in the Zionist perception from the beginning still uh, uh, kept till today that those Palestinians, uh, in this, they, they don't belong to this place. So um, they, they even say sometimes that they, they did a favor for us if they're just still letting us living in this, in this, in this area. So uh, I think it, it is easy for the Israelis to move Palestinians from place to place because they believe, deeply believe, and I believe them that they believe that they, we, we, we don't belong to this place. Yeah. So Omar, we were talking about uh, Zohrat, the organization, and all the incredibly important work, unique work that uh, the organization does. Um, and there's a, um, a campaign that you're starting to raise awareness and to raise some funds. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure people listening to this would like to know how they can help. So can you please uh, share that with us? Uh, yeah, with pleasure. We are planning to uh, open a public campaign for fundraising in the 22nd and 23rd of, May, of March, uh, one month from today. And we call it the 20, we call it uh, 48 hours to acknowledge the 1948 crimes. Uh, we invite people that support the idea of acknowledgement of the Palestinian Nakba and supporting the right to return and the work of uh, Zohrot uh, uh, to support Zohrot and to give um, uh, uh, some funds in these uh, two days. Uh, we will be also happy that uh, people know about the campaign. Uh, before it starts to just to distribute and to, to write about it, uh, to invite others uh, to support Zohrot's work. And how can people help if somebody wants to donate? What can they do? What should they do? Well, in, in the campaign, in our Facebook page, and the, uh, uh, the campaign uh, will be uh, a special um, um, Account that people can uh, enter through our website and through our Facebook page. So the website and will have a link. Yes, to pay. The, the website and the uh, the Facebook page will have a link, and that people can uh, add their donation to this uh, uh, to this link. So Zohrot is Z O C H R O T. Right. Dot org. Dot org. Yeah. Or they can go to your Facebook page and do it through there. Yeah, but it, it's not open yet. It will be uh, opened uh, two days before okay. this uh, 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 campaign that it will that be for 48 hours. We can open that a few days before that. So and on the website, is there still a place to ca to to donate? Oh, like yeah, regularly? of course. There's the no regular, the regular, regular donation can be done any time. There's a link 
for donation and PayPal uh, yeah. uh, program. And it's worth talking about some of the, the programs you do with Israeli schools, the program you do, programs you do with students. Well, the to educate. Uh, uh, the goal of Zohrot is to uh, challenge the Israeli perceptions in general, the Israeli public and the Israeli Jewish society. Uh, some of the work will be done with schools, with students, but uh, also with public, with any any uh, institution or any field or any circle of Israelis that we can reach, we reach and we talk about uh, the importance of the acknowledgement of the Palestinian Nakba and supporting the right to return. And these two things really are two things without which no resolution of the Palestinian, what they call the Palestinian problem, uh, can take place unless there's a recognition of the Nakba and an understanding of the Nakba and your website and the app are very helpful in that because you can see each village, what happened, what it looks like today, which unit occupied it, what massacre took place and so forth. Without understanding that, there can really be no understanding of the Palestinian issue and without recognition of the need to implement the right of return, not just talk exactly. about it, but implement the right of return there can really be no resolution to this uh, to this issue. So these are two key issues that really I think only your Oli Zohrat deals with in a way that is actually very practical and, and, uh, and, mm -hmm. and visibly available for anyone. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we see it very important just to this dimension of the Nakba and the return, yeah. the past and the future. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the political work should uh, be done. It's yes. not only to uh, to express sorrow about what happened in the disaster, but also to give hope that uh, uh, in the future justice must be done and justice must be based on the redress and the correction of the crimes that happened since 1948, including and also the main part is the implementation of the right to return. Yeah. So again, it's Zohrot, Z-O-C-H-R-O-T dot org. Uh, you can go anytime and donate or um, the 24 hours, that, what is it, 23rd, 24th of March? Yes. Coming up uh, next it's 22 month. and 23. I'm sorry, March. 22 and 23 of March. Yeah. Okay, very good. So please uh, contribute to this incredibly important organization. Thank you. All right, thanks to everyone for tuning in to episode two of the Miko Palette podcast. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, whatever podcast app you use, if you haven't already. This helps a lot with exposing the podcast to new people. And we all know there's a hell of a lot of Hasbara out there to fight through. So join the online fight, rate and review us, and let's bring some more exposure to the people who are doing the good work and who could use some uplifting. Be sure to check out MikoPled.com for a full list of speaking dates, articles, Join Miko's newsletter and to order any of Miko's books, including his latest, Injustice, the Story of the Holy Land Foundation 5. If you have any questions for Miko, you can shoot those over to me at booking at mikopaled.com and we will try our best to get those answered on forthcoming episodes. All right, till next time.